Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 253, and today we are talking about books being released on March 31st, 2020, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia LZ Tuttle, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Hey there! Hey! How are you? I'm I'm doing the best I can. How are you doing? Mm, the same. The same. I actually, and actually, honestly, better than I expected I would be doing. Not because I I have a problem staying in the house. We all know that that's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) But just like, you know, with worry, I expected by now you'd see me on the news, on the roof with my cats yelling at, you know, the sky. But (laughs) same, same. I feel like I'm better than I expected to be doing. I I was expecting a lot of like hiding in pillow forts, having meltdowns. And that's only happened like one time in the past two weeks. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 been okay, Um, you know. I guess that's all it can be right now. So, and yeah, I touched on this last week, but you know, it feels good to know that we're all in it together in some ways. So, that's all. That's all I can. That's all I can say about it. Absolutely. You know, lots of I have lots of books, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, lots of books. Um, a lot of friends are picking up old things that they used to do like um someone i know has started playing piano again and someone i know has dusted off her point shoes and is doing ballet exercises and i've also been like oh maybe i should pick up my ukulele so um people are keeping busy (laughs) yeah um so we're gonna talk about some books that come out today uh for the time being until things go back to normal, whatever normal will be, uh, we're, I'm just going to give out this like blanket caveat that uh, release dates are changing all the time. Some publishers are pushing dates. Some are not. We are trying to get as much of that information uh, figured out. And by we, I mean me. I've been updating the new release index to uh, reflect new dates and checking all these dates. But there might be some books here that we talk about that you know are not out today. Uh, next week when the show actually airs. Um, So I just want to say that before we start and also mention that um, there are a lot, like I said, a lot of dates changing and a lot of um, things going on, ways you can support indie bookstores, uh, you know, library closures, that kind of stuff. You can catch up with that news on the Book Riot uh, website. You just go to bookriot.com and right there in the header, there is the COVID-19 updates from the Bookish World link. You can see it right across the top uh, and check things out for yourself. Uh, And now we're going to hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eilin. 
Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased more sus when he and Shuei barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so my first pick is one of my favorite books of the year. This is such a wonderful, wonderful book. It is Days of Distraction by Alexandra Chang. Uh, it is about a young woman. She's 24. She's a staff writer for a newspaper, an online paper. She covers the tech world. She lives in San Francisco, understandably, because that is where a lot of the tech happens. Um, and she lives with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend works He in, he's a scientist. He works in a lab. Um, she, she thinks he works doing one thing and then finds out like it, he's doing something else, basically like giving us the impression that they're not really listening to each other. Um, and now he wants to join a graduate program, which might require him to move somewhere else in the country. And she's trying to decide if she wants to go with him. Um, she likes her job at the at the online site. Um, she excels at it. She's told all the time that she's doing a really great job, uh, but she never gets a raise. And every time she goes in to ask for a raise, they're like, oh, now is not a good time. Uh, you know, you need to talk to this person. And then that person gets laid off. The The um, atmosphere there is very unstable. Like people are getting laid off all the time and then they're bringing in new people. But in the middle of all that, she realizes that, you know, other people are still uh, getting raises and being taken care of and have health insurance. And she wonders if it's because she's a woman. She wonders if it's because she's an Asian American. It's not a super great work environment. Uh, there's a problem like where 
in one meeting, the managing editor uses some racist language in discussing like a rap album and no one seems to seems to care and she feels like she should have said something and she's very conflicted about it and she tells her boyfriend her boyfriend is white and he doesn't see like why it's a big deal like why she's upset about it Um, but then her boyfriend also cannot pronounce her name correctly after five years Um, we don't hear her name like she's not described in the description of the book they don't use her name Uh, from what we understand from her family they mention it once her name is Jing Jing or maybe Jing and they call her Jing Jing but she mentions that her boyfriend started calling her this and he still can't say it correctly. Uh, and so it's kind of a strange relationship there. And so she's like trying to make this big life decision based around this man who can't even pronounce her name. Um, and also her family lives in San Francisco. She has a mom and two younger siblings who live in the city. Her parents are divorced. Her father lives in China. Uh, she talks to him on the phone. She's planning on going to visit him. And so it's about, like, this young woman who is working in a gig economy, which is a a new term that I just learned recently. I had never heard that before. Somehow it escaped me. Meaning, like, you don't go and stand in a retail outlet or, you know, at a job, you know, nine to five, but instead you're you're looking for for work uh, and you take work as they come, sort of like freelancing. Um, And so she's, like, unsure what she's going to do. Uh, You know, would she move to certain places with her boyfriend and not other places? Um, she spends a lot of time looking at the internet and listening to other people's conversations. You know, she does, she loves her job, but, she, you know, she's interviewing like startup companies that are getting millions of dollars for ideas that are never going to happen. And, you know, she finds that to be just ridiculous. And she goes to these parties where, you know, it's, they're almost entirely, you know, white males in the tech world. And she's just unhappy, but she doesn't want to give up her dream of writing. Uh, and so will she find, like, what makes her happy? I love the way it was written. It's written not entirely in flashbacks, but, like, a couple of, like, looks back at things that have taken place in her life. And they're in these, like, beautiful little chunks of of writing. Um, I love a book that's broken up, like, like Jenny Awful. I love a book that's broken up into little bits. Um, you know, there is, uh, you know, racism and sexism as well as... There is some terrible animal death at the beginning of the book, so uh, just beware of that. Uh, I was not ready for that. It, her boyfriend It's her boyfriend mentioning something that happens to animals at the lab where he works. So if you are sensitive to that, um, you might want to skip the first few pages. Uh, so that is Days of Distraction by Alexandra Chang. For my first pick, I have More Myself by Alicia Keys. If you can't tell, this is a memoir by the phenomenally talented musician Alicia Keys. This is Alicia Keys in a way that many haven't gotten to see her before. A genius at expressing herself through music, she's done a lovely job expressing herself in this book. Like many celebrities, she has had a lot of judgments cast on her by the public around a multitude of things from her relationship with her husband and her husband's ex-wife to her no makeup campaign. And she takes the opportunity of writing this book to tell her story in her own way and on her own terms. This whole book is about her zigzag journey to get to a place where she is doing things that she wants to do and not because it would please other people. Um, you get to learn, like, especially growing up and through her, like, earlier life in the first part of her career. She was definitely 
a people pleaser and always putting others first and others' wants and needs first and not really listening to her inner voice. And so Alicia is through with dimming her light so that others won't feel bad about themselves. This memoir walks us through her struggles with self-worth and how she has learned to trust herself and value herself while continuing to always be learning and willing to grow. The number of artists she has collaborated with over her career so far is absolutely astounding and such a vast variety of individuals. She mentions her relationship with Prince a couple different times and I absolutely cried each time, not because these parts are sad, but because I still really, really miss Prince. God, I miss Prince. Anyway, each chapter of this book starts with a little vignette about Alicia by someone who knows her. Sometimes it's blood family, sometimes it's chosen family, and sometimes it's collaborators. These aren't just random people to you and me. She got Oprah the right one, Michelle Obama, Bono from U2, Clive Davis. This whole book is a star-studded affair. And one of my favorite stories, I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, but one of my favorite stories is when she and Bono go to visit President Obama in the Oval Office and they learn about one of his secret talents. It's adorable and delightful. At the same time, it's deeply personal, this book, and you can tell she really dug down and got vulnerable with the stories, experiences, and feelings she has chosen to share. One of the things, or a couple of the things I've learned is that Alicia Keys can be really playful. And also, she's pretty crunchy. She's constantly practicing and looking for ways to connect with the people in the world around her, whether it be through meditation, history, art, and always music. So this was a really great read. I'm really happy that she has opened up and decided to share things in her own way. And this is More Myself by Alicia Keys. Okay. I'm glad that that's coming out because it did get pushed. I think it was supposed to be out last summer. So I wanted to read it. I'm kind of jealous that you got a copy. I I didn't know that there were galleys. So my next pick is Hurricane Season by Fernanda Melcher, translated by Sophie Hughes. This is Fernanda Melcher's first novel in English, uh, to be translated into English. And it is a slim, nasty jolt of a novel. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, it's set in a small Mexican village, and it's about the witch. At the beginning of the book, these young children are running wild, and they find the body of the witch, uh, who is infamous in their town. When she was younger, she was known as the young witch, which is like super creative, right? Like young witch, and now she's older, she's the witch. Um, she had a husband at one point, uh, but he died And she was kicked out of her house because he had, like, a legal wife. uh, And rumor has it that he buried treasure in this house somewhere. And so now people are thinking, like, this witch is sitting on all this loot. She's also, it's very much like some of the other stories that you read, other books with witches, where people are quick to visit her when they need help. You know, they, they need a spell or they need a cure. but you know, they avoid her in public and are quick to turn on her 
uh, when, you know, the public complains or something like saying, oh, yes, she's a witch, uh, you know, so sort of like going behind their backs, you know, and, and getting what they need from her, but also condemning her. Um, and so this is sort of about what happened to her. How did she die? Uh, it's a very dark novel. It is full of depravity and violence, and it is not for everyone. I will say that right now. There is a lot of misogynistic language and violence towards her and other women, and it's very purposeful. It's to drive the point home that, you know, this is how uh, people who are different or women uh, who are different or even women who are considered to be witches uh, are treated. Um, it's so gripping. It's like an extra grim fairy tale. It's like someone took a grim fairy tale, which, if you read the original ones, are like so weird and just dark and they all end horribly for everyone which is why they sort of were disnified um it's like someone squeezed all the niceness out of a fairy tale uh, about a witch and this is what was left and i found it so compelling i could not put it down um so it is hurricane season by fernanda melcher translated by sophie hughes for my next book, I have How to Make Friends with the Sea by Tanya Guerrero. This is a middle grade fiction novel set in the Philippines. It's told in the first person, and our protagonist is Pablo, who is just turning 12 at the beginning of the book. Pablo has moved from country to country the past five years with his mother, Carmen, who works in animal conservation. Pablo's father left them five years prior, so it's been just Carmen and Pablo ever since hopping from country to country. Pablo has obsessive-compulsive disorder, the extent to which he keeps secret from everyone, especially his mother. He has a lot of shame around it and fear of rejection if he ever let his secret out. For those of you familiar with obsessive-compulsive disorder, it comes in many like flavors and can be triggered by a variety of things. For Pablo, it shows up in a lot of ways that most people think about when they think of obsessive compulsive disorder, like the various stereotypical ways, um, such as germophobia, counting, and extreme organization. The opening scene involves Pablo sitting at the dining table with his lentils in one bowl and his rice in another because food shouldn't touch. He has 10 spoons with which to eat because once one spoon has been dirtied, he will need a new spoon for the next bite. Clearly, his mother sees this behavior, but as we get to have Pablo's point of view, it goes much deeper than he is letting on. As I mentioned, Carmen works in animal conservation and is working at an animal sanctuary there in the Philippines. She is an absolute sucker for an animal in need. So in the opening chapter, while Pablo's eating, she, Carmen, his mom, tells him that her boss, Miguel, has asked a favor. This time, it's not an animal in need, but an orphan girl. Pablo is horrified at the idea of having another person in the house, but he doesn't really have any say in it. Um, so Pablo goes with his mother and Zeus. Zeus is Miguel's chauffeur, assistant, and right-hand man, way out into the country, like five hours from where they're living, to get the girl, who they estimate is around four to six years old. And they find her in absolute filth inside a chicken coop. Her grandfather has died and she has no family, 
We learn that the young girl has a cleft lip and needs a lot of medical care and a home. So Carmen and Pablo take her in, which, as you can imagine, at first is not what Pablo wants at all. This is a story about family, both family we're born with and chosen family. It's about friends and it's about needing people and being needed. And I think the biggest overarching theme is trust. Pablo learning to trust people with his secret and learning to also trust, like, the title is How to Make Friends with the Sea. He's absolutely terrified of the sea and it's partly to do with his father's a marine biologist. And so, like, there's a connection between that and so it's also this kind of journey in Pablo as it says making friends with the sea so I really really loved this book I'm also super biased to uh, due to my background as it filled me with warmth to read the Taglish so Taglish is like Tagalog in English and be ensconced in a book that has cultural signifiers that are familiar to me it's a really lovely book. I definitely cried more than once. Again, this is How to Make Friends with the Sea by Tanya Guerrero. All right. My next pick is a YA novel. It's a new contemporary YA novel from Sam Romanoff, uh, whose books I have enjoyed in the past. This one is called Look. Uh, it is about a young woman named Lulu Shapiro. She is the star of a social media app called Flash, which is kind of like Snapchat. She has a lot of followers, and she's giving off the illusion of having this perfect life. Uh, and then one day, she accidentally uploads a video of herself hooking up with a girl, and it, her life explodes. Um, she has a boyfriend who is the son of a famous rock musician. He, understandably, is upset and breaks up with her, uh, and now she is feeling the results of her personal life encroaching on her public persona. And she doesn't, she's not really happy about this. You know, it's very hard for her. Uh, she sort of shuts herself off from the world. Um, she's still sort of giving the illusion that she's fabulous and everything's great, but it's not. She's having a really hard time. Uh, and then she meets a young woman named Cass, and Cass convinces her to go to a place called the Whole Hotel, which is an old building, part of old Hollywood lore, which is being renovated. And Cass and Lulu start hanging out all the time, and they learn about each other, they learn about themselves, and, you know, they sort of fall in love. Um, it's, it's a queer coming-of-age novel uh, in the age of social media. If you enjoy, like, We Are Okay, I think it would be a good wreck. I think this is an important novel. I think that Zan Romanoff did a great job uh, relaying the importance of social media, not just, like, its repercussions, but also, like, authenticity and how important it is to, you know, think about what you do, what you say. You know, and, like, people always say this, but a lot of people can tell you things, but you need to to learn them for yourself. There are just some things like you can say a million times, but somebody needs to learn it for themselves. And I think a lot of the times kids feel this way, like about the internet. Uh, and so I think it's a really great novel uh, for everyone. Also, it's a great novel for kids who are interested in, you know, getting a, a public persona on the internet and, you know, what might happen. Um, this is definitely my favorite of her novels. It is Look 
by Zan Romanoff. And now we are going to hear from another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, Black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Inez Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, Black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Anise Hegler, the Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy. Both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into the light to find a path to healing. Known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis, drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the South, Mary Inez Hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled Troubled Waters. Make sure to pick it up. Thanks again to Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters, for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. College student Blake and her girlfriend have one goal, join the exclusive sorority that promises connections to a network of trailblazing women of color. Now, Ella's acceptance is a sure thing. She's a daughter of a Serena Society alum. After all, Blake, on the other hand, lacks Ella's pedigree and her confidence. Luckily, though really unluckily, she finds courage at the bottom of a liquor bottle. When she drinks, she's bold and funny, and as pledging intensifies, so does Blake's drinking. Ella assures her that she's fine, partying hard is what it takes, but with her future on the line, Blake must decide how far she's willing to go to achieve glittering dreams of success. Now, just so you know, Jazz Hammonds is the 2023 winner of the critic Scott King John Steptoe Award for New Talent for We Deserve Monuments, and We Deserve Monuments was an Amazon Best Books of the Year and Barnes & Noble Best Books of the Year for 2023, so suffice to say, y'all should check this new one out. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. Okay, Patricia, you're up. So my next book is We Want Our Bodies Back by Jessica Caremore. Jessica Caremore is the founder and CEO of More Black Press, the executive producer of Black Women Rock, an internationally renowned poet, playwright, performance artist, and live arts producer. She is a phenomenal person. We Want Our Bodies Back is a collection of poems. I have a lot of content warnings. Racism, misogyny, misogynoir, body objectification, death, childhood sexual abuse, and police brutality. I'm also going to throw in a warning for talk about gentrification because, honestly, I personally like to be warned about it. I want to read you a part of the description of the book. The author, quote, argues that Black women spend their lives building a physical and emotional shelter to protect themselves from misogyny, criminalization, hatred, stereotypes, sexual assault, objectification, patriarchy, and death threats. We Want Our Bodies Back is an exploration and defiant stance against these many attacks. So if upon hearing that description, you think, oh, this book of poetry is for Black women, and I'm not a Black woman, so it's not for me, I think that actually it's even more important for you to read it. 
It's super valuable intellectually and socially for people to sit in this kind of discomfort and be exposed to things that maybe aren't for them. Full disclosure, I rarely find reading poetry to be engaging, and I'd rather hear poetry be performed. So I was extra surprised at how fully engaged I was with this collection. For me, as a Black woman living in Oakland, California, a very gentrified city, this collection is full of so many things that my heart needs, mostly coming down to seeing many of my experiences reflected so painfully accurately and beautifully back at me through Moore's words. There are a ton of cultural references, many of which I knew, but some of which I did not, and I'm always grateful for a book being able to give me more pathways to go down. And so I'm grateful for the introduction of like all of these things I haven't necessarily heard of so that I can explore more and hopefully find more books. For the ones I knew, I am grateful that they're being honored in these stunning poems. It's hard to describe a book of poetry when all I really want to do is just read you the poems from the book. I do want to say that this collection is also really strong from start to finish. I highly recommend We Want Our Bodies Back by Jessica Care Moore. Okay, and for my last book of the day, I'm going to talk about a book that I have not read yet, um, mostly because I ran out of time to find things to read. Uh, I did not have great luck this week, so... I was telling you earlier about Days of Distraction and how there was the scene with the lab animals. That was like, oh, that was really hard for me, but I love this book. But then I picked up another book and like the first scene was in this new book was Animal Mutilation. And I was like, okay, uh, I can't do two. And then the next book I picked up was like this really horrible scene where this guy was watching porn. And I was like, nope, not that one either. And then I was like, I give up. I just, I can't right now. Um, so I decided to talk about this book that I'm looking forward to read, to read, to read. Like my grammar is slipping as, you know, we stay inside more. Um, I'm looking forward to reading it. It is called Almost Maine by John Cariani. And I had never heard of this book before or this play. Apparently, Almost Maine was originally a play that came out in 2004. I wanted to mention this for many reasons, but one being that I live in Maine. So, of course, I'm like, yay, Maine. Uh, two, that I had never heard of this. And then the very night that I got a copy of this book, my friend posted some pictures on Instagram of her daughter at a stage rehearsal of Almost Maine. I was like, that is so weird. I love stuff like that. Um, so Almost Maine was a stage play, uh, which is a like nine collected stories uh, that explore love and loss in a remote mythical almost town called Almost Maine. Um, and it says that it premiered in the Portland Stage Company in Portland, Maine, and now is being done all over the country. It's been out for 16 years. And so this book is uh, interconnected stories by the play's author um, of, you know, the same nature. And again, I'm in Maine, so of course I want to read a book in Maine, and it sounds really cute. So that's my fawning over that. And uh, it is called Almost Maine, and it is by John Cariani. For my last book, I am so excited to share this with you. It is Wow, No Thank You by Samantha Irby. And holy smokes, did I need this book right now or what? 
I feel like the whole world needs this book right now. So if you've ever read either of Samantha Irby's books, then you know what you're getting into. If not, then I think you need a bit of a warning. (laughs) She is incredibly funny. Like, laugh so hard, I definitely almost peed myself multiple times by reading this book funny. She is also absolutely disgusting and obscene and crass and gross. And did I mention disgusting? I feel like I should mention disgusting one more time. At the same time, Samantha Irby is a freaking delight. In the essays in Wow, No Thank You, definitely deliver. The themes of this book are more about her present than her past, which she wrote about in her last book. I know um, some people were turned off by her last book because it talked a lot about her parents' death and also just growing up and a lot of parent stuff. Um But this book doesn't have as many, though this book does still have a number of animal hospital references because, and I appreciate that because I worked reception at a veterinary office in my late 20s and that was a circus. Irby turned 40 this year and I heavily identify with one of her essays titled Girls Gone Mild about going out at our age and absolute process and labor it takes to do such a thing. She's gotten married since her last book and has a brilliant chapter on relationship advice because, quote, I got married and now I'm an expert on marriage and relationships. And it is so good. Her writing about anxiety and embarrassment are so visceral and so relatable at the same time, so hilarious that I found myself cringing and laughing um, multiple times. She has a chapter called Body Negativity that is nothing short of perfection. I really adore her chapters near the end, where she talks about her experience as a writer on the series Shrill, and also her chapter about how to publish a book, which is helpful to no one, but I still really, really needed it. If you need a laugh and are not easily offended, then definitely pick up Wow No Thank You by Samantha Irby. I'm really sad because I had tickets to go see her, and now the tour, of course, has been canceled. Oh, no. So maybe maybe she'll go back out at some other time. That would be great. She's just, uh, I just can't get over how funny she is, you know. And, and you're right, she is, she is quite crass, but it doesn't, like, I usually don't like that in books, but it does not bother me at all because she is so funny. I feel like she's so funny, she transcends the grossness yeah and there's so many laughs it's like when they come at you you're you don't even have time to process what you were going uh about because it's already time to start laughing again (laughs) it's just it's great yeah she's amazing she is amazing so you know you were talking about like turning 40 and i was thinking like um since it doesn't look like we're going to be going out anytime soon you know my new blonde hair is gonna start growing out so I'm going to get some crazy red roots again. Uh, and I'm going to run out of eyeliner eventually. So I you know, usually wear eyeliner. So that'll be fun. I don't think my boyfriend's ever seen me without eyeliner on. Maybe I'll like bedazzle my crow's feet or something. <laughs> like something fancy, you know, to make up for it. I don't know. Well, my birthday is on April 1st. So the <gasps> day after this podcast. And oh, I saw someone. Well, happy early birthday. Thank you. I saw someone on Twitter post um, that they put a beer in every different room of their house and went on a pub crawl for their birthday. 
That is really <laughs> and I funny. just thought it was hilarious. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I'm going to be home, but. Um, well, yeah, but you have the internet. I do have the you internet. Know. So at least people could. It's, it's amazing, like, how many things we can do, you know, talking to each other and, and sharing now. You know, it's it, that still is incredible to me. I haven't gotten over that yet. <laughs> the fact that, like, we can all interact with people all over the world in the middle of this, you know, which is not something that you could do, you know, 50 years ago, 20 years ago, even really. So I'm very thankful for the things that we do have. And I'm sorry that you have to spend your birthday inside. Eh. It'll be we'll make it fun somehow. Exactly. So that is it for our new books today. What are you going to read next? So next up, I have a galley of a book that comes out at the end of April. It's super on the nose right now. It's called Together by Vivek Murthy. And it's about the need to connect and the um, health problems that come with loneliness. So <laughs> I almost don't want to read it, but also I really should read it right now. It's interesting, like, how some people gravitate towards uh, dystopian novels and books about illness and the plague right now, where other people are like, no, <laughs> you know, like, everybody deals with things <laughs> in their own way. So I'm just gonna braggity brag, brag, brag right now. <laughs> Do it. Um, uh, so I just read Sex and Vanity, which is the new Kevin Kwan. It is just diamond-encrusted candy. Ooh. Just one sitting so great so fun and just as wonderful as you wanted it to be you know name dropping label name dropping just like so great and then i started reading mallory by josh mallerman which is the sequel to bird box that we have been waiting for for six years uh and that is exciting however i got the invisible life of Addie larue which is the new b.e schwab book so i started reading that instead so i've almost finished that and I love it so, so, so much. And then I'm going to go back to Mallory. Um, so that's, I'm done bragging now. <laughs> I was just like, wow, I extra spoiled this week with Callie's. <laughs> um, I think, you know, publishers are, are, you know, in a strange position like we all are right now. And I think they're relying on word of mouth and people on social media to talk about these huge titles that are coming and, you know, because they can't, you know, either do it or they don't have as many people doing it or they can't send them out now. So um, they're, you know, they're pushing these. So it was really exciting. So that was good. So that is it for us today, Patricia. Thank you for doing, doing a twofer two weeks in a row. Yeah, that was exciting. Yeah, I think we went June again, I think. Ju yeah, June, five I have. Tuesdays. June has five Tuesdays, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Thank you to our sponsors. Uh, you can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Patricia is the info file, which is T-H-E-I-N-F-O-P-H-I-L-E. -E. That handle works both on Twitter and Instagram. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. I've been posting a lot of cat videos and now critter videos. The lawn bears are back in my yard, which makes me very happy because they've been missing the last couple of summers. Uh, so baby lawn bears. Uh, and as much as we would love to tell you about more lawn bears, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new book newsletter. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.